0: My name is John, and for those that uh, we have not met yet, uh, it's nice to meet you. I just happen to be one of the pastors here, and I just want to say to, to all of you um, in the room, man, j- just, I-, I am so encouraged by you. The, there are so many obstacles, barriers, uh, distractions, elements, all the elements that you chose to push through to say, I'm, I'm actually going to show up. And gather in worship this morning on our Cleves campus. That's a big deal. And you will never truly know how much that means to our staff and our volunteers and David and I. Thank you. So all of you online, I, 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 my wife's here so she can back this up. I'm a simple guy. And I, 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 am, uh, I don't understand. I don't fathom. I don't have the, the knowledge to understand of, of how there are so many people. Watching in a a tri-state area, tuning in and choosing to to watch our messages, right? I don't don't get it. I don't understand it. Maybe that's a good thing that I don't understand that scope and that reach. Because you you could have chosen a lot of things, right? You could have been doing a lot of things on the internet right now. Um, We won't go there. (laughs) That's for another sermon coming up on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but but you, could have been, you could have gone down the rabbit hole of like, you know, Bernie Mitten memes and just parked and hung out and stayed there. And that's it, right? You, you, could, you could have done that, but you chose to hang out with Whitewater. And for that, we are so humbled and honored that you chose to be with us, all of you. You chose to be here. Could have done a lot of different things. And, and so I just, you know, it just blows my mind that we are a part of something so much bigger. We are connected in to a kingdom movement. And I, I stand before you today uh, a humble mess and have the privilege of kicking off a new series, as Nick shared, called Blessed. And as we shared at the beginning of the year, that we are going to take this entire year, the entire year, and we're going to go on a journey through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so for the next eight weeks, we're going to just be looking at this series called Blessed. And we're going to be today, I'd say it's kind of like this way. We are in page one, scene one, act one of the Sermon on the Mount. Commonly referred to as the B attitudes, nine verses packed into eight weeks to look at what it really means to be blessed. Like, what's it mean to be blessed? Like, really? because you know our culture has an opinion about what it means to be blessed, right? Our culture has an opinion. Celebrities, influencers they all have an opinion about what it means to, to live a blessed life. Our grandmas have an opinion on what blessed means. Our, our aunts have opinions. You know, TikTok and Facebook and Insta, they all have opinions on, on what blessed is. But, but for people who have made the decision for Jesus to be Lord and leader of their life, What does Jesus have to say about what it means to be blessed? And so today, our mountainside expedition, it's going to take us to Matthew 5, verse 1. If you want to follow along, we'll have it on the screens. Verse 1, here's what it says. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. I need a chair. Now I get it, Jesus. You're a smart man be working out all that energy. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, and he said this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you blessed. Jesus, I have some questions I have some questions, Jesus, because for nine verses, he just laid out what it looks like to be blessed, right? I, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that even mean? Uh, he says that those who mourn are blessed. The meek, those who hunger for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, they're all blessed. He says the peacemakers and those who are persecuted are living that blessed life. Now I'm confused. Help me understand. How are the poor blessed? I'm tossing these. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to hit anybody. I'm just getting rid of them. They're my keys. I didn't like them jingling in my pocket there. You know, Lou, just, you know, just I didn't like it. I'm trying to engage Lou. He's been working a long night. So, all right. You ready? You with me? Right here. All right. Good. I don't understand. I, I don't because that list of what it means, what it looks like to be blessed doesn't equate, doesn't add up to what I see of what it means to be blessed. So something isn't making sense because I live right now, I live right now, 2021, uh, and we all live in an Insta culture, whether you like it or not, all right? And so we're like, I I don't understand in in this culture where everything is like hashtag blessed, right? Something isn't adding up because that's not what I see on TV, that's not what I see online. That, that's not what Joel and Oprah said was me living my best blessed life. Oh, yes, I went there. Some of you are mad. Like, don't attack my Joel like that. Yes, I went there. Send me an email. Send it to David. Now, now, so, like, not once did I hear in any of that, like, like, not once. I didn't hear any reference to a yacht and a mansion and a candy apple red Lamborghini, a seven-figure dream job, you know, and a perfect spouse. You know, I love you, baby. In all your savage ways, she's sitting right there. I'm confused, Jesus. Help me understand because when I troll, on, I mean when I scroll on Facebook, I'm overwhelmed with seeing all these pictures of what it means to be blessed. You do it. You do a search. Hashtag blessed. Look it up. See what comes out. Right, and you'll see like all this stuff. Like, you'll just see like those perfect family photos where everybody's matching in the same attire, right? And those of you who have a family and kids, you know darn well that it took 20 takes to get that picture and 30 screams and 18 veins popping out of the head that if you do that one more time, right? But hashtag blessed. (laughs) Or I found this one on Facebook and this is for all you gamers out there. Like this one got me, this one got me. This is me preparing a breakfast for my girl after she sold her kidney for my PS5. Hashtag blessed. Oh, oh, what about the the, the dream vacations? Oh, this one gets me. I I, I confess, oh, I I get online and, and I see these dream vacations, you know, horseback riding in the Alps, scuba diving in Bora Bora, yes! Yes, blessed, or winning the lottery, right? Or owning your very own Skyline franchise or or getting a ticket to the World Series where the Reds and the Indians are playing, right? Or getting a 1600 on your SAT or getting a full-ride scholarship to your dream college. Yes, this is what it means to be blessed. I can't worry about paying back those student loans. I'm too blessed to be stressed, Jesus. Yes! You tell Jesus, take that up with him because he paid it all, Sally Mae. Yes! Yes! Hey, take it up with him! Yes, he paid it all! Yes, I'm blessed! I'm just reporting the news. As I read it, observations. That's the weather, that's the climate. So, no, before you do send that email, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? Because I can kind of feel it. You already had your phone. I can't believe it. He told me I can't get my Lamborghini. How does he know it? Before you go there, I am not saying that Jesus won't overwhelm you With incredible opportunities and favor and talents and abilities to do amazing things. Yes, he will. Period. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. So much so that you won't have enough in your store. They won't even be able to contain it. His word, not mine. But I hope... That you are using all of those talents and abilities in favor to make a kingdom difference. To build his kingdom. And not our own. Right? I'm suggesting that maybe there is a way that we maybe need to reframe. Like what it means to be blessed. Like to truly like in a kingdom mindset with a kingdom economy. Because this is exactly what Jesus did. This isn't something for us. This is, this is what Jesus did when he stepped into the moment in the original message time, listeners of the Sermon on the Mount. They had an idea of what it meant to be blessed and what a king and a kingdom would look like. They had an idea, and Jesus kind of comes in at this juxtaposition, this counter-cultural message, and he steps into this moment, and he's seeing a crowd And so he sees the crowd gather and he gathers his disciples and he steps into a moment and he vision casts what his kingdom looks like and what that means for anyone who dares to follow him. You do know that it's a dare that this message, this gospel is dangerous. It will transform. It will flip the world upside down. Do not enter into it lightly. See, the nation of Israel has been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for their king to emerge. They're waiting for, for their kingdom to reign again. They have this rich history. If you know your Bible, like the, the rich history, the nation of Israel of wars being fought, you know, to, to take back their land and, and kings rebuilding their kingdoms. And, and so it's understandable that for any Jewish listener in this moment that they're waiting with bated breath. To hear what Jesus is going to say. He's been talking about this kingdom and the kingdom of heaven is near and the kingdom is near and rumors of him being king, the Messiah, the king of kings are all around him and surely there's gonna be an overthrow of the government and it's about to happen, right? And this is their moment. Roman oppression is about to come to an end. And, And so this is their state of the union from their leader that they have waited generations for. And Jesus steps to the podium he adjusts his notes and as he begins the next leg of here comes kingdom here is his opening statement blessed are the poor in spirit that's not exactly the ba- battle cry the rallying cry of a oh, here comes king blessed are the meek blessed are the persecuted think of who's listening to this the riffraff the commoners, the everybody the crowd there they're like are you kidding me we live under oppression we live where, where, where our wives and our children can be ripped from our home and anything can be done to them because they're romans and we're like are you kidding me that we're blessed hell that can't be right jesus you know, like, Jesus, that doesn't make sense because, you know, you know, we understand what kings look like. We understand what it looks like for a kingdom to, to, to bless their people, glorious riches and fertile land and, and abundant crops and, and, and favor and freedom and grapes the size of footballs and, and rivers and land overflowing with milk and honey. Like, oh, we're not gonna be oppressed anymore, right, Jesus? We can finally teach those Roman dogs a lesson, right, Jesus? Like, that's what you meant to say, Right, Jesus, help me understand it. It's one of the best gifts that David Vaughn has given me. This is the best leadership question to defuse a situation. Okay, help me understand. You can hear him saying it, right? A little Kentucky twang. All right, help me understand. Help me understand, Jesus. And see, right from the beginning, Jesus is setting a new tone. He's saying, no. This kingdom, we are going to do something different. This is what it's going to look like to be a part of this kingdom that I am inviting you into. It's not going to look... Or feel like anything you've ever known before. It's not going to feel normal. It won't, it won't even feel comfortable. It won't make sense at times. But he's giving you an invite to come into this. And so these first nine verses, the Beatitudes, you know, it's Jesus' invitation. Here, here's, here's what he's inviting you into. To radically transform our values and ambitions. These blessings will not correlate with an old set of values and ambitions. Will you sacrifice those for a new set of values and ambitions? And what I love about Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is that the Sermon on the Mount, it's it's for everyone. Like for us now, but also back then, like everyone was listening to this. Right, All listeners, you, right there you have both the committed and the crowd, insiders, outsiders, people close to Jesus, people love Jesus, people far from Jesus. They're all right here. And so for the committed, for people who say like, yay, Jesus, the Beatitudes for us, they describe the character and mission of those who take seriously God's reign and kingdom calling on their life. For the crowd, uh, Jesus' words are, are an invitation into a new life. To be disciples of a king. An invitation into a purpose-filled life with hope and healing at its foundation. And, and something that I found just kind of fascinating as I'm like, preparing this message is that this idea you know, of mountainside teaching... This is kind of normal for Jewish people, right? For a Jewish audience, this is nothing new, right? If you think about it, like at the foundation of of their faith and all of their old stories, like some leader of the nation of Israel going up on a mountain and sharing God's word isn't anything new. Think back. There was a guy, you know, he went up in Mount Sinai and and his name was... Moses and and he shared that you know the Ten Commandments right. This happened over and over, mountainside messages, and so no big deal. Here's what's fascinating. Previously, when a mountainside message from God was delivered, the message led with law and commandments, and later on down the road would lead to a righteous, blessed life. If you track it, go back and look. Go back and read. Right from the get-go, Jesus goes, yeah, you think I'm doing the same thing? Of like, follow me up the mountain. They're like, oh yeah, this thing again, right? And they're like, "Mm, no, it's not gonna be the same thing. Because with the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, he leads with what? Blessings. And by the end, he invites you into truth and challenge. Jesus Jesus introduces a kingdom vision where he doesn't just show blessings with his words. He showed them with his actions beforehand. Think about it. Having done nothing to deserve it, these people all throughout the region of Galilee, they have already benefited from this king. Right? Right? Because what's he been doing before this Sermon on the Mount, before his, you know, his State of the Union? He's been going all throughout the region, performing miracles and blessing people and healing and, and showing compassion and mercy. Matthew 4.23, just before the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Jesus healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. People soon began bringing to him all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. This is all before. And then large crowds followed him wherever he went. And at that point, he goes up and goes, Now that I have your attention, listen, in Jesus' economy, and his kingdom, grace comes before challenge. Help and healing before command. Jesus' teachings are lived out today because of yesterday's experienced blessings. Think about it. When I receive grace, and I'm overwhelmed by it, it is so much easier for me than to reflect and give that out, even when it's undeserved. When Jesus, he rebukes the religious leaders and the Pharisees, when they're like, don't let that woman in here, that, that woman of ill repute, that woman who, who, who's a sinner, don't let her in. And Jesus says, whoa, no, 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 actually, um, her love is great because she knows how much she has been forgiven. Don't stop her from her blessing and her blessing me. She can't help because she experienced that blessing first. The blessing will always come first, and Jesus leads with this first. And in his Sermon on the Mount, his first blessing, the first thing he says that we're blessed is what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Huh? (laughs) Like what? What? I, don't, like, I really had to wrestle with this. What do you mean? Not just poor. Luke talks about just poor. But here, here Matthew captures poor in spirit. Well, what does that mean to be blessed and poor in spirit? Well, what does poor in spirit even mean, right? Like I so appreciate that there's so many research tools out there. And I love how it, the NLT Bible says it this way in verse 3. It says, "Blessed, uh, God blesses those who are poor, here's the phrase, it unpacks it, who realize their need for him to be poor in spirit is to realize our need for Jesus to realize that we have a deficiency without Christ to be desperate for him to know that we are spiritually bankrupt and we cannot pay the tab without him And I don't know about you, I mean, I I am probably the only person under the sound of my voice that has ever been to a bar. (laughs) Lose awake. I think, Like, I may be the only person, right, who understands, like, what, it, what a tab is, right? It, it, to, to be able to pay a tab, it's time to pay the tab, right? And, and so here's the deal. There was a time in my life, I can still remember it, where I was broke and busted with a lot of tabs that I couldn't pay. I can still remember that period in my life. I can still taste it. I can still smell it. Bless you. A time in my life where I was spiritually, emotionally, and physically bankrupt. Poor in spirit, poor in judgment, poor in character, poor in my wallet, Pour me another drink. Some of you know that. You can relate to that season. My life had gotten so unmanageable that I felt completely hopeless. Genuinely felt like things will not get better. One moment... I was using my talents and skill sets and performing on North America's greatest stages all over the country, and and I was able to 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 buy and do anything I could ever dream of. I could I could buy anything except for peace, and I and I, I couldn't buy fulfillment, and I I couldn't figure out how to buy purpose. And I tried everything and in anyone and everything and, and that this world has to offer. It was there. I tried it to fill that void in me and none of it worked. And then 12 months later, I'm at rock bottom. Broke. Less than $5 to my name. Unemployed living in a spare room in my parents' house. I know you're watching. I love you. And I just found out that I'm about to be locked up. I had reached a place of brokenness that was unimaginable. And I felt like I was alone with no options, no way out. And in that place of darkness, I made a decision to hurt myself. And when I woke up in the ER, I remember thinking, why did I wake up? Why didn't the story just end? I didn't want it. We sing a song around here called My Testimony. And there's lyrics in that song, and it says this. It says, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things. Guys, I feel these lyrics in the core of my being. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things. And some of you wonder, right? You wonder why I'm so passionate. (laughs) You, you, you wonder why I get so worked up. You, you wonder why, like, well, why are you just so loud? And why are you, why, why, why are you so worked up about making sure that we're, we're focused on caring for our neighbors and loving our neighbors with everything that we have? Because there is so much pain and suffering in our world, in our homes, in the row that you're sitting in right now. <laughs> and some of you that are hearing this right now, just got really good at putting on a facade. You, you know what to say and how to say it. It's real. This is my why. And I won't back down from this why. To let as many people as possible know that there is freedom in Christ, that they are not alone, that there is something greater, that they do have purpose and belonging, that there is help and hope that will turn their lives around, and it is only found in Jesus. My best, my best talents, my best ideas, my best led me to my worst. I am dead without Jesus. I am bankrupt without him. I know how empty I am without him. I am blessed because I know my need for him. I know how poor I am without him. I am poor in spirit, but I am rich in Christ. I am rich in his kingdom. See, see, being rich in kingdom, it comes with knowing that apart from Christ, I'm nothing. We can't do it for ourselves because we know we need him. We... we, we I'm, I'm, please don't take this the wrong way. It, it, we, we, we're all somewhere on a journey, but there's, I can't help but raise my hands and raise the, the, the Bible, not me, the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say this is a posture of praise. Nowhere. I can't help but reach out for Him and say, Thank you. I'm desperate for you as I raise my holy hands. I'm, I'm desperate for you. I can't, it's an overflow of this of being poor in spirit blessed to know that, that that all good things come from you it doesn't come from me because i've experienced and, and you you know this i've heard your stories already in this past year it's been a year it's been a year since i've been here some of you have hung on like i didn't think you would last a year like it's been a year <laughs> i know you i know my people come on now We're going to keep it real with me, but you hung in there. I told my friend the other day, look, you've been hanging in with the bangles for how many years you can hang in with your church? All right. Yay. Oh, (laughs) Jane liked that one. Listen, some of you, I know you're like, man, I get it, John. We're with you, and that's why I know I see you. I see you, and you're just like, you felt it this morning. You couldn't help but just be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God in the room and working up and going, God, I'm nothing without you. I'm poor in spirit, and it's in our poverty that we are wealthy. The Apostle Paul says it this way. <laughs> He's talking about like Jesus' words, my grace is sufficient. My grace is all you need. My, my power works best where? In strength, in pride, and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't need to ask for help. No, he says, my power works best in weakness. When you realize your need for him, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why, he says, I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. When we are weak, surrendered, emptied out, When we are poor in spirit, we are filled with a confidence of identity. We are filled with a peace that passes all understanding, a joy that runs so deep, it doesn't matter what comes our way. We are filled with a faith that can move the mountains in our life. A belief A belief that actually we believe in miracles because we saw the miracle first. A belief that he is who he says he is. I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want us to get to a place where we get so comfortable. Oh man, I'm going to go. I don't ever wanna get to the place where we have to have the comfy chairs, the lights, the fog, all of it. The right music, the right approach, the right. I don't ever wanna get to that place that without all the right, that we forget what he actually has done for us. If his word and his people aren't enough, we might want to rethink it. I don't ever want to get complacent, comfortable, leaning on preference. Help me to never forget where I've come from. Help us to, 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 to never forget, to never get to the place where, where, where we forget how truly blessed we are. Not, not blessed because of stuff and things you know, that we have, but blessed because of who we have in Christ. Guys, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not assuming anything. We have an enemy, and he is very real. And the enemy does not want you to know how kingdom-blessed you are. The enemy will stop at nothing to keep you from knowing and understanding this because the enemy knows what an unstoppable force you are when you realize that your life is not your own and your life is to be on mission to build kingdom the enemy's greatest tools are distraction and discouragement if he can get you distracted he will get you discouraged and if he can get you discouraged you are no longer a threat Because because when you are discouraged, here's the ugly truth. When you are discouraged, you are only left with enough energy to feel sorry for yourself. Nothing paralyzes you more than discouragement. Nothing stops them in their tracks like discouragement. It respects no one and nothing. it, it, It keeps the unemployed unemployed. It keeps the sick sick listen, it can even draw the most powerful ministry to its knees. When overcome with discouragement, a person can't pray. They can't worship. And they become a victim of their environment. Discouragement drains us of courage and vision. We have to fight back. We have to fight against discouragement. And to do that, we have to first push against distraction. And oh, are we distracted. <laughs> right? Some of you are on your phone right now. The last two weeks i didn 't have any platform responsibilities. I was living that blessed life. No, I hated it. I hated it so so for the last two weeks, you, you know I, I just kind of like hung out I hung out in, in, in the adult worship. I hung out here, you know, and I just kind of moved throughout the room and, and you know, I'm singing my face off, and some of y'all know. You hear me, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, why are you so loud?" Right? And some of you are like, "Oh, I love it watching. I love watching you worship." Like, Doesn't matter. I don't care what you think. I'm worshiping for Him, not for you. And, but, but I love you. Um, like, and, and so I moved throughout the room, and I listened to the Word, and then I went over to to the union, and, and, and I worshipped with them. And, and I grabbed my son, and, and and Julian was over there, and and, and I grabbed him, and I put them next to me. And I put my arms around him, and we just raised our hands, and we just worshipped over there, and we just let out this desperation of crying out for God because there's something so beautiful when young souls are saying, I'm choosing you, Jesus, instead of all the other things the young people could be choosing. I so am encouraged by what they're doing in the union. And then I came back in here, and I moved around, and I just kind of just moved around, and so I'm going to be good, and I'm going to put my mask on. Okay, great. So some of y'all can't yell at me. All right. And so I was in here. Ooh, that's a good song. I heard it, somebody phone. And so I just kind of moved around in the middle of worship, right? And, 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 and some of you didn't know I was walking next to you or standing next to you, and, 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 and then you did, and you like looked over at me like you just got caught with your hand in the cookie jar thing, right? It, it was like, no, no, you're cool, you're not in trouble, it's okay, really, it's okay. And so I just walked around, I, I, I just walked around. And I just listened as our worship team, man, they just pour in their hearts out, just like just, just trying to create an atmosphere, you know, to draw us into the presence of the throne room of grace, you know, and then I listened to like David and Connor and, and man, they just, they, they just brought the word, Right? I mean, they did, they, they just like, David didn't hold any punches and Connor's like a warm blanket on a cold day and he's just soothes, soothing to the soul. He's such an old soul, right? And, and he's just, just pouring out the word with fire and conviction and it was just like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And then as I walked around the room, I can't lie to you. I just had a heavy heart because I, as I walked around the room, there were so many people distracted. Like in the middle of worship or in the middle of like hard, honest, beautiful truth coming forth and the word does not return void, right? And, 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 and I just saw so many on Facebook. So many on Instagram, so many just kind of checked out on their Robin Hood (laughs) app, seeing how GameStop's doing. And I just felt this. Oh, man, those that know me, you know better. I am not Jesus. (sighs) But I had this moment, you know, when when the word says that he looked upon Israel and he felt compassion for them. It actually, the, the Greek there is like splagna. I love that word. Kelly knows why I love it. It's in the deepest, darkest parts. He felt compassion. He weeped. He weeped? He wept. I told you, simple. I felt it. I was like, "Oh. as a shepherd leads his sheep. I just want to encourage you, fight against distraction. We are in the fight of our lives. This isn't a game. This is life or death. I hope you know that. I'm not, I will never be turn or burn like evangelism. You know that about me, no. (laughs) You, You heard my story, my story is not unique. There are people right now in that place of life or death. It is real. The marriage is either over or it's not tonight. And both of you are going in guns loaded. And you're praying for a miracle. Some of you have thought about I'm going to give this thing one last chance and then I'm doing it tonight. Guys, we have an enemy. You know this, right? Like, he prowls around like a lion. He isn't a lion. He's like a lion. That's for another sermon. His sole purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He would like nothing more than to rip this thing apart. Oh, yeah, that church that used to be known for helping people? Yeah, they're gone. I did that. I took him out. We have to fight back from discouragement. And some of you are so good at this. I'm not going to name names, but some of you, I've watched you. I've seen you. You are in your word. You make me look like a... (laughs) Like a baby. I'm at the baby table. I'm at the kitty table compared to some of you. You guys are like, man, 530. I've watched this person 530 on the dot every day, nose deep. I'm like this deep. He's this deep every day, journaling. Help. He's not perfect. Oh my goodness, he's a mess. He's just in the Word, seeing Jesus speak, Jesus redeem, Jesus heal. Help me, help me. And some of you continue to do that because we need you to be the role models. We need you to show us. But others of us were like, man, I- I'll give you an hour. And when that Tizovich is up, oh, my gosh, it's like an hour and 15, 20 minutes. Like, uh, right? And some of you are like, come on, I- I've only given you this much. And you're like, I don't care when commuting comes, I'm out. Because, yeah, it's easy time to duck out, right? And I'm calling you out. It's And so you got this, uh, this little frame for the whole week. You're like, that's it. Jesus, I'm giving you an hour and 15, and that's it. But then we get distracted, and then that one little hour, and we're like, here. And so I'm I'm encouraging you. If that's you, it's okay. I love you. We we are all in this together at some point in that journey. Turn your phone off. Leave it in the car. For others, it's more serious. It's like that, that thing in your back pocket, we were never meant to be connected to the whole wide world and carry the weight of the world in our back pocket. We were never designed to do that. And some of us need to just get rid of it. Whatever it takes to not forget how serious this is. This isn't a game. We have so many distractions. They're not all bad distractions. I get it. Some, some, some of them are okay. Some of them are good. Yeah, some, some of them are good. Like, please don't. Please don't over-spiritualize this and be like, oh my gosh, everything's a distraction. Everything's an attack from Satan. And the enemy's after, after, he's, he's after me right now. He's after my bank account. No, he's not. You're just undisciplined in your spending. Okay? Oh my God. <laughs> that arrow shot deep. <laughs> Not everything is an attack from the enemy. Some some distractions are okay and they're healthy. There's a great big distraction happening tonight where me, my wife, you, and a 100 million other people are going to be watching this distraction. It's called the Super Bowl. right? Kelly and I were huge sports fans, and so we're like, oh, man, the Super Bowl, that's awesome. And listen, here's the deal. We lived in San Francisco, so we kind of lightweight follow the Niners. I love Brett Favre, so I lightweight am a, a Packers fan. And then Bengals and Browns. If it's not one of those four playing, I'm like, meh, okay. So tonight, meh, okay. We'll kind of be engaged, but really we're watching for the commercials, right? Man, some of them Super Bowl commercials, they're like on point, right? Funny, warm-hearted, all that stuff. Some of them are amazing. Last Super Bowl, last year, it was kind of like our last big thing. It was January, you know, or February, first week in February, yeah. And we knew... Like, hey, we're, we're leaving. We're moving. So it's kind of like a big last hurrah, you know. And, and so we're watching the game, and, and, and then this commercial comes on, and it's noisy and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, like, a pin dropped. You could have heard it. This commercial just like, it just, it just hit our hearts. Maybe you saw it too. Check it out. This is it. Google, show me photos of me and Loretta. <laughs> Remember, Loretta hated my mustache. <laughs> Remember, Loretta loved going to Alaska and scallops. Show me photos from our anniversary. Remember, she always snorted when she laughed. Play our favorite movie. Remember, I'm the luckiest man in the world. Come on, boy. I am the luckiest man in the world. All of us are <laughs> Jesus. How, how do we not forget? How do we remember how truly? blessed we are. I don't ever want to forget. I don't want us to ever forget all that he's done for us. that before before we had it all together while we were still a mess while we were trapped in darkness he saw us said that we were worth dying for, that like with every lash on his back, every ridicule, every taunt, every drop of blood from a crown of thorns as it dug in, every, as, as the nails pierced his flesh. That he saw me and you. He said, This is for you. I'm going to take all of this for you. The debt that y- you should be paying, I'm going to take it. hung there with his love for us. I don't want to forget that that my life is not my own. That if that if I said, Jesus, you're my Lord, and I've I've made my home in him and he's made his home in me Then that I'm supposed to then reflect a love that doesn't make any sense because there's other people who are hurting and lost and it's not about us. I don't ever want to forget I don't want to get distracted. So Lord, Lord, I come before you right now on behalf of my brothers and sisters. And I say, we're sorry. I'm sorry. On behalf of those you have called me to lead, I come before you on their behalf. And I cry out to you. And just say, I'm sorry for the times we get distracted. I'm sorry for the times that we take things for granted. I'm sorry that we lose focus. Father, I ask for your forgiveness for for all of us. Help us. Help us to not get distracted. To understand the beautiful mystery and mission that you've invited us into. That you don't need us. But you've chosen and allowed us to be a part of the journey. I ask that you will overwhelm every family, every individual. You will overwhelm them with your presence and your goodness and your mercy. That you will breathe hope into their hearts. That they will know that they are not alone. presence and goodness Jesus let us represent you let us be the light in the darkness I lift up our prayers we cry out to you and all God's people we say amen amen amen